are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I have two texts tonight. One is in Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12, and the other is in Jeremiah. I'll turn to Jeremiah in a moment. First in Hosea chapter 10 and verses 12 and 13. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity, you have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. And now in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourself to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your hearts, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Lest my fury come forth like fire, and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. This is God's appeal to the people of Israel to repent before they were carried into captivity. And they did not repent. Jerusalem was destroyed. A thousand were killed. And women ripped up little children, their heads bashed against stone walls. The temple was destroyed, the golden vessels taken away to the house of an idol god, and the destruction came because they didn't heed. Break up your pile of ground. Don't try to please God without digging up the thorns and digging up the old stumps and making new ground. Now he said, circumcise yourself to the Lord. Circumcision is a picture of uh, salvation. So here he says, circumcise your hearts. And in Ezekiel, God said, I'll circumcise their hearts. And in, again in, um, in Deuteronomy 30. So circumcise your heart, yourself to the Lord. Take away the foreskin of your heart, you men of Judah. Unless my fury come forth like fire and burn that none can quench it. Uh, here again, so break up your foul ground. Now back to the principal text. And I'll try to follow that in Hosea chapter 10 and verses 12 and 13. And again uh, in uh, Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. So do yourselves in righteousness, wreath and mercy. Break up your foul ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till they come and rain righteousness upon you. I'd like to first of all apply this to Christian people, and indeed it does apply to Christian people. Now, uh, let me tell you, God never does anything big uh, in his work until Christian people get broken up. There's a great need of a shaking and a breaking up. And let me be honest with you now, I love my friends of the regular Baptists, and um, I have much in common. Dr. Ketcher and I are very dear friends. I had um, uh, many, many revivals, including the Gate Great Campaign in Binghamton, New York, were largely supported by regular Baptists. In fact, the Bible Baptist Church in Wheaton, of which I was a member for a long time, had just about the same standards. Now, now we who are fundamental, independent Christians, I put myself with you, we have a great tendency to be well satisfied. And also, among good fundamental people that never separated life and uh, don't paint your faces and you don't smoke cigarettes and so on and don't go to movies and so on, we have a great tendency to be well satisfied and to leave the general impression that if a fellow isn't a separated Christian, he's probably not saved. If a fellow went back and got drunk after he's converted, you don't think he's really converted. If a man's going on and smoke cigarettes or joined the Lord, maybe he wasn't saved. You say, I'm just saying that we among the, we fundamental independent Christians have a great lack right here. In this church, I have noticed we have very few Christians coming forward to make a new dedication. I know the great soul winning churches, 
uh, Dr. Vick's church, the Temple Baptist in Detroit. I preached there. Dr. Lee Robinson's church in, in Chattanooga, where they baptized uh, over a thousand converts every year. Now, this is the 11th year, I believe. I say, I know the great soul winning churches everywhere. And I know this, that where you have a great revival, a people saved, lots of people saved, then you have God's people again and again coming forward to make a new start and rededicate themselves. In other words, they break up their ground and they dig a little deeper and they shift themselves around and find where they are and make some new vows and start again. I heard Dr. Robinson the other day say it, and he was a little sad. He said, out of my 67 deacons, he said, there are a few of them that never have come forward for rededication. Some of the others, he said, and he mentioned Dr. Haskell, who is the chairman of the board and a noble, good man that I know. He mentioned others. He said, how often they come every now and then and said, we've been checking up and we feel we've grown cold and we want to dedicate ourselves anew to soul winning. Or somebody said, we've been neglecting family prayer. Or somebody said, we found that we haven't been giving as much as we ought. So he said, many of them do. But he said, sadly, there are some deacons in my church that have never come forward for public rededication. He was saying what I'm saying now, that all good Christians are periodically to have a good pound the ground and shaking up and digging out the stumps and so on. Now, let me tell you, we just well face it, you can't ever raise a crop without breaking up ground. We can't raise a crop without breaking up ground. Did you know like God so many in loving mercy likes broken things? He likes broken things. He had to break up Gideon's army. Gideon, you know, had 32,000 men. The Midianites had 100,000. Well, Gideon said, good night. It'll take every one of us. I have to take on three to handle this crowd, and I don't see how we can do it. God said, you got too many. He said, send everybody scared home. Well, all 22,000 went home, and they only had 10,000. So Gideon said, good night. I sure am in a tight now. How can we we'll meet him with 10,000? God says, you got too many. If you did it now, you'd think you were the hot stuff, the cat's eyebrows, just what the doctor ordered. So he said, you go down here at the creek and let everybody uh, get them a drink. And the folks said, laugh like a dog, put them on one side. The other said, send them home. And uh, send everybody home with 300. Well, you're ruined now. No, you're not. You're just in good shape for God to get the glory. And God to put in his hand and do it his way. God likes things broken up. You know that? Ah, God doesn't so much impress with all our strength, nor all our righteousness, nor all our organization, nor all our safeguards and all our church constitutions and such matters. God isn't so much impressed with that. God wants Christians to be broken up. I'll tell you right now, I long for the time to come when I can see tears among Christians and hear new vows and hear confessions and see people starting over among Christian people. You listen to me again. You don't ever grow a crop unless you break up the soil. In West Texas, where I grew up, I remember one time, you know, when I was 10 years old, I was driving a six-wheel team out on a big ranch in West Texas, breaking ground and uh, plowing the ground. And since it, that's a dry country, we use not the, not the plow, not the turning plow, but a disc plow because it takes the hard ground better. Those great big old discs that big and cutting down here swath about 10 uh, inches or so throughout each time and three discs and six big mules to it there. And I was driving those when I was 10 years old. And one time I remember... I said to my dad, I said, Dad, uh, Mr. Knowles over yonder, he raises wheat and he just uses a disc harrow. 
Instead of this big plow that cuts the deep, well, he just used this can and it cuts down oh, two or three inches and gets the kills the weeds and, and he can sow his wheat and so on. He gets over it pretty quick. Yes, my dad said, but son, you notice he doesn't raise as much wheat today as some other people do and his land is wearing out and not much good. No, you're just not going to have much of a crop either in nature or in the spiritual things unless you do some deep plowing. Now, I know I don't, now nobody said anything unkind about it. Nobody's even criticized to me about it. But I'm a well and good, the general impression. Pastors are very often greatly distressed when I come for a meeting. They think I ought to start and the first to pop out of the box because God in mercy has given some great revivals and many, many, many thousands saved in great revivals. So they think, okay, he just got some special knack with sinners. No, sir. No, sir. So you're going to be disappointed because I've spent nearly a week's time speaking most of the time to Christian people. I know if God's going to do a big thing, he does it first in Christians. I know if God's going to raise a big crop, he does some deep plowing and stock pulling and some uh, thorn cutting and brush burning. And if you don't have that kind of revival, you don't have much. You may have a few new names on the road, but you don't, unless you have some changes among Christians and some plowing deep and some tears and confession and making things right and paying up bad debts and quitting the lodge and quitting your cigarettes and starting family altar, well, then you haven't had much of a life. I'm saying God wants some plowing among Christians. Break up your foul ground, he said. You know, the plain truth is we Christians by nature are still human beings. That's certainly sad, but it's true. You're a Christian, all right, but you're still a human being. That means that the old natural man is there, and by nature he's got to be put down all the time. That's the reason Paul said, I buffet my body and bring it into subjection, lest I have preached to so many. What if God laid me aside? What if God wouldn't let me preach anymore? What if God said, Paul, you don't mean business. I'm going to get somebody that's younger than me and means business and won't, and won't cut the corner. So, so Paul said, I buffet this old nature and beat it back and do and keep it down. I don't want God laid me aside. If you don't have some of that buffeting and beating it down and keeping that old nature under and breaking him up, then you're not going to win many souls. You know that? We need some plowing among the people of God. We need some stock pulling and some weed cutting among the people of God. Then so he said, then so don't sow among thorns. And he said, a lot of people, go ahead and sow the seed. Well, I know, but uh, you got the ground all covered with weeds. My dad, one time we went by a crop. I remember dad and I riding along. Dad and I had a good time. And um, dad was so glad I was called to preach. And he came to hear me preach. And then we came great revived and started out to winning souls again at Decatur, Texas. But back in the boyhood, I remember we rode along one day. And dad said, uh, that man's going to lose his cotton crop to look out. I said, Dad, how could he lose it? Lose as big a field as that? He said, um, he won't lose the field. He said, he just lose the cotton. He said, if you don't plow that out pretty soon, the weeds will be bigger than the cotton, and then the cotton won't ever grow. It'll just be drowned out and never have a crop at all. Uh, be shaded out. And so, let me tell you, unless Christians dig out the weeds regularly and cultivate, then you're not going to grow any crop for God. That's God's plan. Now listen, I wish everybody here would start out some, I'll start out some digging around. I wish God had put it in the hearts of some people say, I want to start over. I want to start family altar. I'm going to start to win souls. Brother Stumner, unless we have the kind of, of digging around among the people of God, then this church is going to be a little old hidebound. 
a kind of orthodox church, you've got lots of old people. You don't have many young people. Another generation of this thing will be dead unless you do some breaking up and go after young people and build a great Sunday school here. I'm just saying, we need some deep plowing and some stump pulling among the Christians and some weed cutting and some brush burning among the Christians. Don't sow among thorns, God said. Break up your fallow ground. We need some plowing. God bless this good preacher. One thing I like about him is he's a Bible kind of preacher and a strong preacher and he's against sin and he names names and, and goes down the line and he ought to and every preacher ought to. All right, so Christians then, we need that. Did you know God likes their broken things? God would rather have somebody that's weak than strong. God has chosen the weak things of the earth to confound the mighty and the yea, the things that are not to con- uh, that are not to confound the things that are, he said, and so God wants and God rather bless a poor preacher than a well-to-do one. God rather bless a widow than a woman's got a good husband with plenty of money. God would rather bless an orphan child than a child's got a well-to-do father. Did you know that? God would rather bless a little struggling group of Christians that crying hard and crying and praying and the underdog instead of uh, the folks that are also we have a uh, we have a we have a nice church, a wonderful building here. Oh yes, we've got a great history. We've had some good preachers. And boy, you should see our choir with the Mother Hubbard's on. Did you say your hail Mary before you came tonight and put on your robe? wasn't it? I'm saying, oh, you say we got the stuff here. Yes or no? That's the kind of thing God gets tired of. What God wants, God a lot rather have some of this poor and weak and struggling and scared and crying and praying and cleaning house and checking, Lord, what's wrong? Lord, help me. If there's anything wrong, I'll make it right. Lord, show me anything you need. The people to be self-satisfied is one of the damning things that kills churches. Now, you hear me. To be self-satisfied and well-content is a way to bring the curse of God on you. God says, break it up! Plow it deep! Dig up the stumps! Cut up the briars! Don't sow among thorns, God said, unless my fury come on you like fire and burn you out. And that's what he said to Israel. They didn't listen. If you don't listen, then you're going to have bad trouble too, like they had bad trouble. All that, break up your fallow ground. But then now, to lost sinners, uh, your fallow ground. Break up your fallow ground, lost sinners. In the first place, did you notice here? And the sinner's ground is naturally fallow. It isn't broken up. What I'm saying is that your heart is made for sin and fits in with sin. You know that? You don't have to plow and cultivate to get sin, just like you don't have to get out and plow and cultivate to raise weeds. You know that? Isn't it a strange thing that's easier to raise weeds than this corn? I remember when I was a boy, barefoot, down on Red River in Cook County, Texas. My mother died, and I was staying for a little time with Uncle Tom Allen. And Uncle Tom Allen was plowing, plowing with a walking plow, lightly and by the corn. And I went down there, and I said, Uncle Tom, aren't these flowers pretty? What kind are they? He said, these are morning glories. I said, aren't they pretty? He said, they're not pretty to me. He, I said, don't you like them, Uncle Tom? I was five and about six years old. Don't you like them, Uncle Tom? And I patted along the fur of my barefoot. He said, no, I don't like them. He said, if you're going to like corn, you can't like morning glories. I don't like any morning glories in the cornfield. He said, if you raise morning glories, you don't raise corn. And you're going to have to make up your mind to plop the morning glories of your life in order to have the corn God wants. You're going to have to make up your mind you can't have good weeds and have good corn crop too. And weeds come natural to ground, and sin comes natural to the unconverted man. It's as natural, it is as inevitable, it is just as uh, day falls night, the natural process that sin breaks out and breaks out and breaks out in a wicked man, unconverted man's heart, is that's the kind of ground he's got. 
Oh, somebody says, I wonder why man talks so bad. He talks bad because he's got a bad heart. Out of the heart proceedeth all the evil words and profanity and so on. There are people that curse and don't even know they curse. They don't care. Oh, one man said after a long string of oaths and I rebuked him. He was high and mighty in the lodge and so on. But after a string of oaths and I rebuked him, because on the street in the presence of other people. Why, well, said Brother John, I didn't think anything about it. He said, I didn't mean any harm. I said, that's all the more wicked. That shows it comes from a wicked heart that doesn't care. Uh, a good man would be shocked to have a thing like that coming out of his mouth. That shows your heart's bad. In fact, you didn't think anything about it. I'm saying that the natural results of a wicked heart is wicked deeds. That's why bad habits just passing on. That's why the lost man, uh, smoking comes natural, and a little drinking comes natural, and dirty stories and lewd pictures come natural, and you don't see any harm in the movies and so on. I don't expect you to see much harm in anything as long as you're possessed of the devil with the old unconverted heart. The ground out there on a bare ground, nobody plows it, it doesn't see any harm in the weeds. It's never learned to grow corn or grow grain or grow other good crops, and so it doesn't see any harm in it. The natural man inevitably has bad thoughts and bad words and bad habits and worse and worse and worse. Now, somebody said, when I get older, I'm going to do better. No, you won't. When you get older, you'll inevitably do worse because sin grows that way. Yes, your kind of ground grows that kind, you know. The more weeds it grows, the bigger the weeds grow. And uh, you, unless you break up that ground and do some different planting, unless you go against the old nature and break up the weed the patches and plow some good seed and set out to work at it until that old wicked heart is broken up, you're not going to have any Christian graces and good character. I say, no way to expect a wicked lost man to grow Christian character. You can't do it. You can't do it. How many men? I knew a young couple, girl loved her, wild, out in the rough, wild, west Texas country. And here's a, here's a young man. All oh, people laughed at him a little bit. He did drink. He did cuss. A swashbuckling kind of an old rough west Texas um, uh, cowhand and, and horsebreaker and so on. And so a young school teacher, oh, she thought maybe I could help him. He wanted to go somewhere, so she let him take her, take him on, take her home from a party or two. And then after a while, she kept going with him, trying to help him, and she fell in love with him and married him. Oh, he promised her, if I had a good woman like you to love me and be good to me, I wouldn't drink anymore. And he, he intended it that way, but he still had the feel that naturally grew weeds. He still had the dirty, bad heart that where bad talk and the drinking and the cussing and the lewdness just come out naturally. He didn't have to work to bring that out. In other words, there's no kind of work that'll keep ground unless you plow it, unless you dig it. There's no way to keep the weeds down. And so okay, weeds came out. Yeah, God gave three lovely boys, the lovely boys, and then finally out one day at a drunken party, went out on the creek, he and some fellas, to play poker and shoot dice and fish and drink, and they got some whiskey prescription liquor in, in uh, Prohibition times, and some took some bootleg beer along and all, and went out there and drank and drank, and he was suddenly seized with terrible sickness and, and uh, intestinal paralysis. They rushed him to the doctor, then took him to the hospital in Wichita Falls and died on the operating table. I was out there when uh, I was out there at the funeral. I was there, saw I knew all the friends in that little community where I grew up in the cattle country, West Texas. I was there. That night I saw that young widow. She nearly died with a broken heart. Three boys left the race and drunken fathers now dead. And I went out and she said to me, John, will you, uh, will you find some of the... Uh, 
Will you find some of the, the blankets out there they had out, in the, out on the party? And will you find some of those uh, mattresses and make some beds for some of the people? And so I went out there and in the garage, got, unrolled a mattress. My brother, Evangelist Joe Rice, and I unrolled a mattress and it had in, filled some bottles of liquor and unrolled that. And my brother and I took them out and broke them. And, and I, I uh, feel very keenly. That was my baby sister. Now let me tell you. I don't care all the good intentions, and I do not doubt the good intentions, that man, nor his intention to live straight and clean up. Uh, let me tell you, if you're going to clean up, you better clean up inside. It has to be fixed inside before it's outside. As our brother said in a motto in his study in here, uh, painting uh, pain the pump, don't make the water good. And uh, just fixing up a little fixing outside, don't make it any good. You know that? The trouble of the, uh, what's the matter with the lost man? He's lost inside. Why does he, why does he need to be born again? He's born wrong to start with, a curse from his birth, with a taint of sin, nature to sin. Why does he talk bad? It just comes natural. Let me tell you, your own little child, you can talk all you want to nice things, but your own little child, learning to talk, he'll pick up a cuss word quicker than he will something else. He'll pick up, I won't do it. He'll pick up stubbornness and pick up lying before he'll tell the truth. Why? That's just native to the old, unconverted, natural heart of man. So then, the Lord says to lost people, you better break up your ground. You better plow deep. And, and he says, you circumcise your hearts to the Lord. He better, you better plow deep and get things fixed up. What you'd better say is this old nature, God help me, is going to lead me to hell if I don't get it fixed. If I don't have some miracle happen to fix me inside, I'm going to ruin. I've talked to a good many people who, who committed great crimes. I talked to a woman in Amarillo, 45 minutes from now, after she'd shot another woman and killed her. There was a woman that led her husband on, and the husband been infatuated with the other woman, and so she saw her downtown with her husband's car, and she walked up and shot her. I talked to that woman. I've talked to a good many, some in murderous row in jail. I've talked to people, and, and always the same thing, Brother Sumner. I know what made me do it. I never thought I'd do a thing like this. I, no, I know you didn't. But that's inside you now, and you better break up the foul ground. There ought to be such a self-renunciation. I'm sick and tired of this old sin. I'm tired of this old heart. I want things fixed up, and God will help you plow it. But you better have it plowed. Um, and Lord knows what he said here further. He says, um, he, he said, you have um, plowed wickedness. You plowed wickedness. Well, somebody said, Brother Ross, I'm going to try to do better. But wait a minute. All the plowing you do on the old heart, all the cultivation you do on the old heart, is going to grow more weeds. It's going to grow more weeds. You know that? Here's a man, he's a petty thief. Now give him a college education. Now he'll be a confidence man and get away with millions. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Bob Jones says, fellow never learned to write. He couldn't write a check. I couldn't write a bad check. He couldn't forge a, a deed. He couldn't um, write a lie. I know. The more, more you cultivate the old wicked heart. Now you say, well, I'll get a man college education. Go ahead and make him a scientist. You'll make him an infidel. Make him a dirty infidel. Oh, but we say we'll give him good religious instruction. You'll make him a dirty modernist and a Pharisee. You go to hell, all the hotter place in hell. They'll trample on the blood of Jesus and spit on the Bible because he's got smart, you know. Let me tell you, all the cultivation and the education. I've been interested in education. I, I, I'm a graduate of Decatur College. 
graduate of Baylor University, did graduate work in the University of Chicago and in the, and the Southwestern Baptist Seminary. I taught in Wayland College at Plainview. I was for many years on the trustees board of Northwestern Schools. I was for a time nominal uh, vice president of the Tennessee Temple Schools. I'm on the board of Bob Jones University. I've been keeping up with this education business a good while. But I'll tell you right now, education will only lead to more ruin if you don't fix the heart. This is a, here's a man with a bad heart. All that picks his head. You just make him a bigger crook and more, he's got more arguments against getting saved. He's got just more arguments why he thinks it's all right to do wrong. He's just got more slicker tongue now to try to persuade somebody else to fall him in sin. Now all, you plowed in, you plowed wickedness, God says. Oh, in Psalm 7, 11, the Bible says that the plowing of the wicked is sin. Any kind of, you say, but I give to poor. Yes, I know. And teach people, if you do good like time, you can spit on Jesus. Now, the more you cultivate a wicked heart, if it doesn't lead to repentance and turning to God for mercy and the regeneration, if it doesn't make that, why just make somebody a wickeder, blacker-hearted sinner that's going deeper in hell when he dies. I'm saying you plow. Had it already sold just to deliver and collect the money tomorrow. No, sir, poured it down the sink. He's breaking up his rod. Go for them cars! Gonna serve God, get things fixed up. Go make, 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 I'd like a mean business, and like you want to live right. Oh, my. But all right, so the Lord says here, it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. Time to seek the Lord. What do you mean? Well, first I've said, all right, I'm the Lord, you just show me what's right and what's wrong. I'm sick and tired of sin. I have a granddaughter, little Carol Joy. She's five years old. She's a blonde little beauty, and she's one of the prettiest children you ever saw. And so Carol Joy, and when I see her, she and I have a little joke. I said, well, hello there. How are you? I said, where have you been all my life? And she smiles and eats it up, you know. And I said, what's your telephone number? And so on with Carol Joy. And some time ago, and she's only five. And one day, and uh, her mother is the Miss Sandberg who writes from my kitchen window in the sword of the Lord. And one day, uh, her mother, somewhere that she was aggrieved and offended her mother, so she wanted to hurt her mother's feelings. So she said to her mother, she said, I don't like you for a mama. I'm going to get me another mama. And she went off to herself. After a while, she came back, and she was crying. And she said, Mama, I don't like my sins. I don't like my sins. I don't want another mama. And I don't want to be like that. She said, I don't like my sins. Well, her mother said, then, would you like for us to pray and ask God to change you? you got that bad heart, haven't you? Would you like for us to pray and ask God to fix it? And yes, she would. And she cried and so on. And so she, and so she trusted the Lord. Let me tell you, it'd be a mighty good thing somebody come around and say, Lord, I don't like my old dirty sins. God's sick and tired of you. You ought to get sick. You know? Like a, uh, some of you, like a dog going back to your vomit, you're never worse saved, you know. And um, you, that old uh, rotten cow that uh, you ate on out there like a wild dog does made you sick of his stomach. I hope some of you get so sick of your, of your talk and your meanness, your wickedness. Inside, oh, you're nice and pious and slick outside. God knows the wickedness of your heart. You're going to hell. You're on the devil's side. All the lewdness, God knows it. All you would do if you'd get by with it, God knows it. All you will be is you get a little older and grow and get ripe in sin. God knows it. I wish you'd get sick of your stomach over your sin. I remember Sergeant Simmons in Dallas, sergeant on the police force, had an incurable drunken habit. I just couldn't leave it alone. And why I prayed for him, why I prayed for him, others did. And one day, him home dropped his good wife, put him to bed and looked after him and all that. 
And he prayed and said, Lord, I'm so sick of this dirty business. Oh, God, help me. And so uh, he'd had such a bad case. And so he'd always insist, you know, he said, the, the remedy, he said, is uh, uh, a little of the hair off the dog that bit you. He said, this, we had a soap up to take a little bit of drink. And so a regular routine about it. And his wife started to bring him a little sip of the whiskey or so. And he said, get that stuff out of here and take that bottle and empty it. I don't want to ever see the stuff in my house again. And he never did. And he was a member of our church in Dallas. Let me tell you, um, you ought to get sick and tired of sin. Don't, plow, don't sow in among the thorns. Break up your fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord and be circumcised in heart, the Lord says. It's time to seek the Lord till it come and reign righteousness. Somebody said, I'm afraid I can't do better. <laughs> I know it by yourself, but thank God Jesus can do better. Jesus can do better. Yes, sir. Uh, you say, well, how can I be right? I'll tell you, God's going to have to make you right inside. God's going to have to make you right. I was on, I went down to southern Missouri. A good man from Springfield, Missouri, my good friend Fred Hawkins, owns a big mill there, and he was a Baptist, uh, one of these cussing, drinking Baptists, until he's 47 years old, never been converted. One man wouldn't leave him alone. One man just came, uh, bought dairy food there <laughs> from his mill, and uh, Fred told me about it and said, I hated that. I didn't want to hurt his feelings. He's such a good customer. He had a big herd of dairy cows, and this man come and buy food, feed for his cows enough for one day. That's all. <laughs> and on Saturday, enough for two days. And just there, uh, because every day, he'd bring along the Bible, and talk to Fred Hawkins about his soul. And he said, I guess I'm mad at him, but didn't want to lose his trade, so I had to listen to him. And he said, that went on three months. And said, every day he'd bring a Bible except one day he forgot it. So one up time bought a testament and said, after he got through it that day, he gave it to me. He said, here it is. And said, he bought his Bible three months. And said, that went on. And Fred got on such conviction. Remember, 47 years old, a drinking, cussing Baptist. And uh, so in his mail, he got up early and went down at 5 o'clock. And said, afraid somebody looked in the window and said, 5 o'clock in the morning. So he went down in the basement. <laughs> in a room by himself in the big mill. He got down there and prayed and said, Lord, my friend keeps telling me you've got a new heart to give people. He said, Lord, I ain't promised you a thing. I won't promise you I'll quit cussing. I've tried and tried. I've embarrassed my wife. I'm, I vowed and I didn't. I won't promise you I'll quit drinking. I can't promise you anything, Lord. I've tried. He said, Lord, I ain't promised anything. But my friend kept saying, you've got, you give people a new heart. Well, if you've got a new heart to give to me, Lord, I wish you would. I'm so sick and tired of this old sinful heart. Well, so he got up off his knees and didn't know much how to, how to deal, settle the thing, you know. And so he went on in a day or two, why, he dropped uh, something and crushed his, uh, crushed his finger some way and went to the doctor and broke and had to put it in splint and all that. And going back to the doctor's office, he said to himself, well, what do you know? I didn't cuss. Well, come to think of it, it's been three days since I asked God to give me a new heart. I haven't cussed since then. Well, what do you know? He said, I believe it is. And we rode along. That man's one over 500 businessmen. He's a layman. He's one over 500 businessmen. I know some of me one. And uh, we rode down through southern uh, Missouri together. And he said, I used to run this route, bring my truck first with my big four mule team. I haul in flour and feed. And then the truck. And said, um, right on that tavern, I got drunk there lots of times. And down here another place said, we used to stop there for a beer always. And on another place, ah, yeah, there was another old hangout. We used to drink there. And then he turned to me in choked voice and said, Thank God I don't need it. I don't want it. Thank God I'm done with it. Amen. Let me tell you, the Lord has to do something for you if you're going to have a new crop. you got to have new ground. Get it broken up as God's blessed spirit can do it. 
and be circumcised in heart and made into a new creature, and God will help you so you can do right. Uh, aren't you tired of sin? Well, why don't you say, if you're tired of the load of your sin, let Jesus come into your heart. If you desire a new life to begin, let Jesus come into your heart. Thank God he can fix what you can't fix. But you're going to have to want it fixed. You're going to have to be sick of sin so that you can say, Jesus, I give up to you. I'm not trusting myself. I can't do it. Jesus. But he's ready. He's ready then. And then, so he said, it's time to seek the Lord. Uh, seek the Lord, yeah. Boy, I'll tell you what I'd be doing. I'd be getting on my prayer bones. I'd be begging God to have mercy on a sinner. They give an invitation, I'd say, I'm going. I'm coming down there. I'm going to get this thing fixed. That's what I'd do. I'd, I'd go home, and if I didn't get fixed, I'd say, Brother Sumner, I want to, I'll talk to you. Don't misunderstand me. No trouble to get fixed. But anybody who seeks the Lord can find him. You, when you're going to hell, you never sought the Lord. You never turned to face him. You never asked him, draw an eye to God. He'll draw an eye to you. Anybody who looks for God can find him. Whosoever called upon the name of the Lord should be saved. You get tired of sin, want mercy and forgiveness, you can have it. Thank God. Uh, so do yourself in righteousness, reap in mercy. It's time to seek the Lord till he come and reign righteousness. He comes and like this shower you begin to find yes, some things you don't like and some things hurt your feelings and some things you, like Peter when he's saying, he said, oh my, oh he went out and wept bitterly over his own sin. You find you can't be content with sin anymore. Somebody said about Dr. H.C. Morrison, a great old holiness Methodist preacher, and so somebody kind of poked fun because he was a holiness preacher, you know. And somebody said to him one time, Dr. Morrison, have you got where you can't sin yet? He said, rather sadly, he said, no, no. But he said, I've got where I can't enjoy. <laughs> I have too, thank God. I've got, I, I've got where I can't sin, but I've got where I sure do, do feel bad about it. I don't enjoy it. And uh, you can put it down now. The Lord, you seek him and he'll rain righteousness upon you. Uh, put it in your heart to want to do right and put it in your heart to enjoy the Lord and the Bible will be sweet you'd rather be a Christian people and you want to do right God will help you don't you want to turn from your sin and uh, break up your fallow ground and let God give you a new crop and rain righteousness upon you time to seek the Lord but I want you to notice brother Sumner do you notice this the people don't seek him don't find him Nobody, anybody doesn't want him doesn't get him anybody in tired of sin doesn't quit him Anybody doesn't start crying, you don't grow a Christian crop. Better make up your mind to it. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I wish I could first give an invitation to Christians. I don't know whether I should or not. But I'll tell you now, you Christians, we'd better have a lot of praying around here. And you'd better have an established habit that just everybody around here claims to be a good Christian. Better have a good checkup ever so often and come down and just say, I've been checking up and I've been falling short on this or that and the other. You say, well, I'd be embarrassed. Then you better get embarrassed a while learn to be a soul winner. If you don't get to where you're sick and tired of this hum from dead level, never plying the ground, never plant anything, never reap anything. We're just nice and pious and dead. I say, that kind must disgust God. We ought to have somebody saying, I want to be a better Christian. Ought to be somebody come down here and see you people pray for me. I've loved them so unsaved. It must be my fault. A fellow ought to be able to win his family. Don't you think so? Yeah. All right, it's time to seek the Lord. Anybody who loved and unsaved? First of all, how many have loved and unsaved? Don't you think it's a good thing to go to sowing and uh, go to planting, plowing deep and then planting and broken heart and tears and then sow the seed? Oh, God, give a crop of repentance. I wonder how many have loved and unsaved. Let's see your hand. Loved and unsaved. All right, all right. Now, what are you going to do about it? Sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. You can have the mercy if you sow in righteousness.
You know, uh, that's the reason the Bible said, In due season we shall reap if we faint not. All right. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's go after them these four days. Oh, God, help us. Let's bring them in and get them saved. Will you do that? Now, let me ask you a question. How many say I'm a born-again Christian? Maybe not a good one, as I ought to be. But thank God I'm saved. I'm not as good as I ought to be either. I'm very poor. But I'm going to say, thank God I'm saved. Let's see your hand. Born-again Christian. You know that? Boys up here. Thank you, son. Do you know you're a Christian? If you don't know it by then, you better be settling it now. If you don't know it, anybody, just a minute, just a moment, let's see you, born-again Christian. Thank you. Now, hands down. Now, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, when you come, blessed Holy Spirit, and start the plow and turn up the clods and to cut into the roots of sin and pull up the stumps of sin, the briars spreading everywhere. First of all, Lord, oh, we'd love to see a breaking up among the people of God, tears, confession, new vows, and going after sinners. And then we pray, oh, God, deal in mercy with sinners and let there be a plowing and a breaking up and a pulling of stumps and seeking the Lord in righteousness. Lord, help us. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.